Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we thank you for all that you do. Father, we thank you for everything you've blessed us with, Father. Forgive us for our transgressions, for our shortcomings, and Father, help us in things that we struggle with every day and places that we are struggling the most, Father. I pray that you help us lift us, lift us up in those places, Father, and help us to win against our flesh and walk in the Spirit daily. Father, we thank you for um your safe for your savior and our savior uh jesus thank you for sending him to save us from our sins and to deliver us from the curse of the law we pray that you just bless us through this tour portion tonight father and pray that you lead us to all understanding and just reveal us reveal to us what you want us to know father but we thank you for all that you do through Yeshua's name, we pray to Yahweh, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Amen. 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 Sorry about that. You snuck up on me. Snuck up on, snuck up on me. Yeah, I wasn't ready. <laughs> uh, that was good. He's eating his mushrooms. Hmm. Don't be looking out in the sky. You might see a spear. Jeremiah's Numbers chapter 30. <laughs> no, I, I was, I guess it's more like spores. Because of the mushrooms. Yes, yes. See, I thought it was good. I'm, I thought it was nerdy funny. <laughs> I was about to say, I was about to say, I was like, like old man joke. Like old man joke. Yeah, super dad joke. Yeah, I've been getting yeah. lots of crap yeah. about that lately. <laughs> <laughs> I've been. I'm heavy on the dad jokes lately. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah, are. you definitely are. <laughs> You're batting a thousand batting on that. A thousand on that. Yeah. I guess. All right. Numbers chapter thirty <clears throat> it says. Moses told the leaders of the Israelite tribes, this is what the Lord has commanded. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to put himself under an, obli yeah, an obligation, he must not break his word. He must do whatever he has promised. When a woman in her father's house during her youth makes a vow to the Lord or puts herself under an obligation and her father hears about her vow or the obligation she has put herself under and he says nothing to her, all her, all her vows and every obligation she put herself under are binding. But if her father prohibits her on the day he hears about it, none of her vows and none of her or none of the obligations she puts herself under are binding. The Lord will absolve her because her father has prohibited her. If a woman marries while her vows or the rash commitment she herself made or binding, and her husband hears about it and says nothing to her when he finds out her vows are binding, and the obligations she put herself under are binding. But if her husband prohibits her when he hears about it, he will cancel her vow that is binding or the rash commitment she herself made, and the Lord will forgive her. Every vow a widow or divorced woman puts herself under is binding on her. If a woman in her husband's house has made a vow or put herself under an obligation with an oath and her husband hears about it, says nothing to her, and does not prohibit her, all her vows are binding, and every obligation she puts herself under is binding. 
But if her husband cancels them out on the day he hears about it, nothing that came from her lips, whether her vows or her obligation, is binding. Her husband has canceled them, and the Lord will absolve her. Her husband may confirm or cancel any vow or any sworn obligation to deny herself. If her husband says nothing at all to her from day to day, he confirms all her vows and obligations, which are binding. He has confirmed them because he has said nothing to her when he heard about them. But if he cancels them out after he hears about them, he will be responsible for her commitment. These are the statutes that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the relationship between a man and his wife or between a father and his daughter in the house during her youth. To me, that's pretty much self-explanatory, ain't it? Yeah. That's as clear as it gets. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I will say this. I think that uh, there's some grace in there because, like, when you go down, it says, uh, you know, the woman puts herself on. Let's say that, you know, a woman puts herself under a vow or an obligation. Uh, when she's still in her father's house and her father doesn't cancel him out, let's say he's an unrighteous man, just for hypothetics, and uh, she makes makes a vow, an obligation or something because like they're poor or whatever. I don't know. Then she goes and she finds a husband who's a righteous man or something like that, and he hears about the obligation. He can now cancel that obligation that she made in her time of you know, peril or whatever. <laughs> so there's grace there because, you know, she could have been in the hopeless time. So she made an obligation or a vow that she was going to keep. But when she got with the next man or with her husband, um, he canceled him out. I think there's grace there. I've seen grace there. I agree with you, brother. Shalom, James, DJ, and Tracy. Shalom, y'all. Shalom. 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 From under the seven dumps. All right, Dustin, we're in number 31 now. Yeah, we're going to go to number 31. Read about Midian. Says, the Lord spoke to Moses, execute vengeance for the Israelites against the Midianites. After that, you will be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, equip some of your men for war. They will go against Midian to inflict the Lord's vengeance on them. Send 1,000 men to war from each Israelite tribe. So 1,000 were recruited from each Israelite tribe out of the thousands in Israel. 12,000 equipped for war. Moses sent 1,000 from each tribe to war. They, they went with Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, in whose care were the holy objects and signal tr- uh, trumpets. They waged war against Midian, as the Lord c- had commanded Moses, and killed every male. Along with the others slain by them, they killed the Midianite kings, Ebi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and, and <laughs> Reba. Definitely not Reba. The five kings of Midian, 
They also killed Balaam, son of Maor, with the sword. The Israelites took the Midianite women and their children captive, and they plundered all their cattle, flocks, and property. Then they burned all the cities where the Midianites lived, as well as all their encampments, and took away all the spoils of war and the captives, both male and beast. They brought the prisoners, animals, and spoils of war to Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the Israelite community at the camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses became furious with the officers, the commanders of the thousands and commanders of hundreds who were returning from the military campaign. Have you let every female live? He asked them. Yet they are the ones who, at Balaam's advice, incited the Israelites to unfaithfulness against the Lord in the Peor incident, so that the plague came against the Lord's community. So now kill all the male children and every woman who has had sexual relations with a man, but keep alive for yourselves all the young females who have had or not had sexual relations. You are to remain outside the camp for seven days, all of you and your prisoners who have killed a person or touched the dead, uh, are to purify yourselves on the third day and the seventh day. Also, purify everything, garments, leather goods, things made of goat hair, and every article of wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the soldiers who had gone to battle, This is the legal statute the Lord had commanded Moses. Only the gold, silver, bronze, iron, tin, and lead, everything that can withstand fire, you are to pass through fire, and it will be clean. It must still be purified with the purification water. Anything that cannot withstand fire, pass through the water. On the seventh day, wash your clothes and you will be clean. After that, you will, or you may enter the camp. The Lord told Moses, you, Eleazar the priest, and the family leaders of the community are to take account of what was captured, man and beast. Then divide the captives between the troops who went out to war and the entire community. Set aside a tribute for the Lord from what belongs to the fighting men who went out to war, one out of every 500 humans, cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats. Take the tribute from their half and give it to Eleazar the priest as a contribution to the Lord. From the Israelites' half, take one out of every 50 from people, cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats, all the livestock, and give them to the Levites who perform the duties of the Lord's tabernacle. So Moses and Eleazar the priest did as the Lord commanded. Or commanded Moses. The captives remained from the plunder the army had taken totaled. 675,000 sheep and goats, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 people, all the females who had not had sexual relations with a man. The half portion for those who went out to war numbered 337,500 sheep and goats, and the tribute to the Lord was 675. From the sheep and goats. From the 36,000 cattle, the tribute to the Lord was 72. From the 30,500 donkeys, the tribute to the Lord was 61. From the 16,000 people, the tribute to the Lord was 32 people. Moses gave the tribute to Eleazar the priest as a contribution for the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. From the Israelites' half, which Moses separated from the men who fought, the community's half was. 337,500 sheep and goats, 36,000 cattle, 
30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 people. Moses took one out of every 50, selected from the people and the livestock of the Israelites' half. He gave them to the Levites, who performed the duties of the Lord's tabernacle, as the Lord had commanded him. The officers who were over thousands of the army and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds approached Moses and told him, Your servants have taken a census of the fighting men under our command, and not one of us is missing. So we have presented to the Lord an offering of the gold articles each man found, armlets, bracelets, rings, earrings, and necklaces to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. Moses and Eleazar the priest received from them all the articles made of gold, all the gold of the contribution they offered to the Lord from the commanders of thousands and of hundreds was 420 pounds. Each of the soldiers had taken plunder for himself. Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from the commanders of the thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tent of meeting as a memorial for the Israelites before the Lord. First thing I want to point out is the 32 people that were attributed to the Lord were not human sacrifices. <laughs> I only say that because somebody... Oh, boy. Somebody, it was going back and forth with her earlier this week talking about human sacrifices and whatever. Yes. Yes. People I assume they were just, you know, helping to do duties. In the in the tabernacle, that's yeah, because it comes down to the the um the vows and um... I don't think they were, you know, doing things that the Aaronic priestly line was charged with, but I don't think that it would be you know uncommon for them to carry things. You know, they just couldn't touch the things. Why would they go to war with Midian? Well, I don't know. Because of Midian, what they've done to... That was the same one with the the man that came and tried to curse them. Mm -hmm. Those are the same group of people. Because I know that... um, Wasn't uh, the father-in-law of Moses, wasn't he the priest of Midian? He was a priest of Midian, yeah. That's real. I wonder where he was at and all that. He got him out of there. Well, two, you have to look look at where these sets was where these people were sitting at and where um Moses' father in law was sitting at. Remember when Moses left Egypt, where did he go? He didn't go all the way to the other side of Jerusalem. He went so to yeah. So I'm thinking that they traveled. I mean, you had some sit over over where Moses really came out of Egypt and went to. And then you had this set that was over here but on the other side of like Jordan and um, Jericho. Yeah, because I mean, you got like Abraham, he was sojourning all the lands at the time. Mm-hmm. Makes sense that the priest of Midian, you know, was he was just sojourning wherever he was. Yeah. They didn't have, they were still sojourning in the wilderness technically. So, 
Yeah. They were just starting to fight back now. <laughs> he was building his people up. Well, isn't this the same place where um in Jericho where um what's the name that put the, the scarlet cord outside her window? Was it Midian? Is it Dawson? Isn't this place that we're talking about right there, Jericho? No, that was um no. No, that was some that was I don't know if you go back in the portion. It says by the or yeah, the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Yeah. Yeah, Moab. That's right. She was a Moabite. And you ever like in verse four, when it says of every tribe, a thousand throughout all the tribes of mm-hmm. Israel. And you know how well, I used to see it, that Levites never went out for war. I know this proved me wrong. Because yeah. it was, they were sent out before them. That those trumpets, those instruments. You remember the two silver trumpets? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they call it assembly. Yeah, that's what they're blowing. The holy instruments and the two trumpets blowing in his hands. That's the silver trumpets. That was interesting that it was also a thousand of each. It was twelve thousand, and then you got revelations where it's twelve thousand of each tribe. Yeah, two and wouldn't it? How many of them died? There was something. Right. Go ahead. In this passage. No, there there was a time before this where um that many was killed, and it's like I was replacing them. Hmm. All the you're talking about with the uh, Phineas incident. Yes, no, he goes on to tell them here. You know, when they bring all the women back, what are y'all doing? Y'all forgot about what happened. You know, when Bellum tried to curse us and they send these women down here, what y'all doing with them women? Then what I'll doing for that? Y'all, y'all forgot about that. That's kind of what Moses was telling them. There was, yeah, Phineas took the spear and the plague numbered 24,000. Those who died in the plague, 24,000. That same passage, by the way, Micah, is where um, they're told to attack Midian. Hmm. Okay. And if you go back to the very first or the second verse, it says, read that second one again, Dustin. Read the second one and the third one again. Of what? Of Numbers 31? Yeah. Uh, The Lord spoke to Moses, execute vengeance for the Israelites against the Midianites. It says the vengeance 
for the children of Israel, right? Yep. After that, you will be gathered to your people. Basically, okay. he wants him to execute judgment. <laughs> now, if you go down to number three, it says the vengeance for the Lord. Uh, yeah, they will go against Midian to inflict the Lord's vengeance. I'm going a, I'm to a dig deep in that. I just noticed that this time around in the tour portion. It was like at first he was saying revenge for the children that was lost and the um, curse that they brought those women into the camp. And then it goes on to the next verse and it's like avenging them for the Lord now. So which one is it? I think the interesting thing is the fact that a man, you know, he's, he's, he's having Moses, you know, or the Israelites to inflict the vengeance for him. It just goes back to agency, kind of, you know, having people do specific tasks for you sending out an agent you know you have the israelites getting sent out to do xyz for the lord to execute right rulings judgment vengeance whatever it may be for the lord <clears throat> because i don't know it goes back to the fact that we were all intended to be uh priests of the most high which you know servants ministers however you want to look at that word we're all supposed to be priests of the most time you notice too that they killed that man in this in this battle too the one that tried to curse him Bella what how you say his name Balaam of Peor. Yeah. and at the end of it Around 19 to 24, you know how I am about the third day and the seventh day. And boy, ain't it loaded. <laughs> I was thinking about it since I read that. I was like, I missed Tammy's on that. <laughs> it's loaded, ain't it, Michael? Yeah, third and seventh days, big, all throughout the Bible. You see it, the Bible where it tells them to wash their clothes on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Washing garments. I mean, I'm thinking maybe as far as the third and seventh day, because he rose on the third day, and the seventh day is... um. What most people call the day of the Lord. Yeah, and that and that's when the rest is going to happen, and he'd be washing us again. I don't I don't know how to tie that in. There's something there with that though. That all it all ties together. It goes back to the red hair for Papa. It's the same thing as the red hair for you can be clean on the third day and the seventh day, and you must wash your clothes. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot in there. The father's going to build eventually. 
and only until the seventh day after the ones that washes their clothes can come into the camp. But also this this is where the Jewish people gets it. You got to to go and mix for all your pots and pants, pots and pans and everything. You said mix? Mikvah. Oh, mikvah, okay. They do that for their pots and pans too? Yeah. You notice how in here it t- it talks too about those things that can't pass through the fire to put it through the water? Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Mm, that's interesting. But I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I wanted to be a smart aleck, but I'm trying not to. <laughs> Looking at this spoon, it's plastic. I'm like, that I can't put this plastic through the fire. I gotta put it through the water. <laughs> um, that is actually really interesting. Everything that can't withstand fire, you're to pass. I mean, I'm sorry. Everything that can withstand fire, you are to pass through fire, and it will be clean. Mm-hmm. It must be purified with the trouble. My immediate thought when I read through that um, the other day was that yeah. it's just symbolism of the two baptisms. You had the first one, which was the water. The entire earth was flooded. Mm. The second one's going to be baptism by fire. Oh, I love you, Dustin. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we gotta go through the tour like really slow. Gosh, there's so much, man. We miss dude, I'm telling you, when when we when we do this, you know, I I think like we looks like it's gonna be a cross between topic studies and doing slowly reading through the tour. Genesis one. Genesis one is going to take a while. Well, in reality, it would be. It, I mean, just going through the Torah really slow, it would end up being a topic study because there's a topic, <laughs> no matter where you stop. No, I was just no, never. I was just never talk- when people when like people say we want to talk about you know a certain topic in the group and. We come up with something we want to talk about, like one Saturday or something like that. But yeah, you're right. Like it, it's just having more time to sit down and really deep dive through the tour would be nice because there's just so much we we skip over that we don't have. Like right this week, out. I'm talking. We'd have so much more time to go over this if we weren't doing it like this. But I know we got to finish the tour portions first. Well, I got one book left. And then we're going to restart slowly. So that's what I was saying. Like, I should have made this a single portion anyways, because our new year is not the same as other folks. Our new year is ABIB 1. <laughs> I, still, I still don't understand that. I don't understand how they get there with that. I don't know. Maybe we should have a topic study like that. Anyways, Numbers <laughs> chapter 32. Hold on, Dustin. Dustin, say the two names of the tour portions. Because oh, I've been trying to learn how to pronounce them all day and I can't. Matot. 
Massayan. I know it's my toe. Massayan? Something like that. Massayan. Hang on. Don't you, can't you type pronounce and they'll pronounce it for you? I don't know if it'll be correct though. No, my phone says that it can't speak Hebrew. Really? <laughs> yeah, it makes me so mad. This will be my say. Okay. Massey, I, I, I would agree with that. But I'm not the one that can pronounce names around here, so. Massey, that means journey, y'all. Yeah. That, fir fir that first word means tribe. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then you fish to find out they made 42 stops in the wilderness. And this is the 42th um, portion. Yeah, even even Wikipedia here says Matot, or the Massey, is combined with the previous Parsha, Matot, to help achieve the number of weekly readings needed. Huh. It's because they got to get everything done before Rosh Hashanah. What did I tell you about that? Look, I'm just saying. Don't worry about what they're doing. We're learning. Rosh Hashanah. Uh, you gotta get one for the new year. Anyways, Numbers chapter 32. The Reubenites and Gadites had a very large number of livestock. When they surveyed the lands, there you go, Micah. Oh, yep, there you go. <laughs> and Gilead, they saw the region was a good one for livestock. So the Gadites and Reubenites came to Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the leaders of the community and said, the territory of Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimra, Heshbon, Elayla, El Eliela, I don't know, Sebum, Nebo, and Beon, which the Lord struck down before the community of Israel, is good land for livestock, and your servants own livestock. They said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Don't make us cross the Jordan. But Moses asked the Gadites and Reubenites, should your brothers go to war while you stay here? Why are you discouraging the Israelites from crossing into the land the Lord has given them? That's what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to, or to see the land. After they went up as far as Eshkol, the Eshkar Valley, and saw the land, they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger burned that day, and he swore an oath, because they did not follow me completely. None of the men, 20 years old or more, or more, who came up from Egypt will see the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. None except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and the Kenazite. <laughs> Kenazite, yeah, I guess, and Joshua, son of Nun, because they did not follow the Lord completely. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wonder in the wilderness 40 years until the whole generation had that had done what was evil in the Lord's sight was gone. 
And here, you, a brood of sinners, stand in the Father's place, adding even more to the Lord's burning anger against Israel. If you turn back from following him, he will once again leave this people in the wilderness, and you will destroy all of them. And they approached him and said, We want to build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our dependents. But we will arm ourselves and be ready to go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them into their place. Meanwhile, our dependents will remain in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the Israelites has taken possession of his inheritance. Yet we will not have an inheritance with them across the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance will be across the Jordan to the east. Moses replied to them, If you do this, if you arm yourself before, or for battle before the Lord, and every one of your armed men crosses the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies from his presence, and the land is subdued before the Lord, Afterward, you may return and be free from obligation to the Lord and return to or and to Israel. And this land will belong to you as a possession before the Lord. But if you don't do this, you will certainly sin against the Lord. Be sure your sin will catch up to or will catch up with you. Build cities for your dependents and folds for your flocks, but do what you have promised. The Gadites and Reubenites answered Moses, Your servants will do just as my Lord commands. Our little children, wives, livestock, and all our animals will remain here in the cities of Gilead, but your servants are equipped for war before the Lord and will go across to, to the battle as my Lord orders. So Moses gave orders about them to Eleazar the priest, Joshua of Nun, our son of Nun, and the family leaders of the Israelite tribes. Moses told them, if the Gadites and Reubenites cross the Jordan with you, Every man in battle formation before the Lord and the land is subdued before you. You are to give them the land of Gilead as a possession. But if they don't go across with you in battle formation, they must accept land in Canaan with you. The Gadites and Reubenites replied, what the Lord has spoken to your servant is what their servants is what we will do. We will cross over in battle formation before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but we will keep our hereditary possession across the Jordan. So Moses gave them, the Gadites, Reubenites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, the kingdom, right, yeah, son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land including its cities with the territory surrounding them. The Gadites rebuilt Dibon, Adaroth, Aror, Atroth, Shofan, sure, Jazer, Jogbeha, Beth Nimrah and Beth Haran as fortified cities and built sheepfolds. The Reubenites rebuilt Heshbon, Eliela, <laughs> Kiriath Aim, as well as Nebo and Baal Maon, whose names were changed, and Sibma. They gave names to the cities they rebuilt. The descendants of Machir, son of Manasseh, went to Gilead, captured it, and drove out the Ammonites who lived there, or who were there. So Moses gave Gilead to the clan of Machir, of son of Manasseh, and they settled in it. Jair, a descendant of Manasseh, went and captured their villages, which he renamed Jair's villages. Noba went and captured Kenneth with its village or villages and called it Noba after his own name. Yeah. So the Gadites and Reubenites 
um, answer Moses, your servants, we will do just as the Lord commands. So they would have been taking a vow right there, correct? It's kind of like how they took a vow. Um, it's funny that they're talking about vows right before this. Well, they they held to their vow, but yep. their their downfall of not going into the land is when the first conquerors come over to Jerusalem to take it. Guess who was taken first? Gadim, yeah. <laughs> with the half tribe of Manasseh. That was also saying, said, hear, and hear you, a brood of sinners, standing mm -hmm. in place, adding even more to the Lord's burning anger against Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm. And this also causes some conflict later on because um, what they set up one specific altar, if I'm not mistaken, that everybody was supposed to go to. Kind of like with the whole go to Jerusalem thing. Mm -hmm. And then people were trying to just do their own thing in their own spots. And just like it says back up in 11 again, it says, because they did not follow me completely. Mm -hmm. Completely. Completely. Well, he also compares them to the 12 spies that went into the promised land and came out with discouraging reports. Mm-hmm. We also seen why, or another instance where it shows that 20 years old is when you, or that's the age of accountability. Yep. It's specifically called, you know, the age of when you're a military or a military age man. But everybody that was under 20 got to live because they were not counted as, uh, you know, someone who had transgressed the Lord. In the instance of the spies, <clears throat> but everybody else actually they were still considered children because they said our children, our children will surely be uh, taken captive. God was like, bro, just just because you said that, they're going in. You ain't, <laughs> yeah. bro. Teach you to doubt me. That's that's exactly why he did that. He said, I'm gonna teach you to doubt me. That's like when they were, they were going to war. So I can't, don't quote me on where it's at or nothing like that, but they were going to war. And I think maybe it might be Joshua that is like anyone that's uh basically scared or doesn't think they're gonna, you know, be able to go into this land or fight, mm -hmm. turn back now. Like, don't discourage my men, get out of here. Yeah. And you know what gets me. We're reading this last bit of numbers and stuff. You know, Moses says he's not going in. But mm -hmm. he's pleading with these people with all wholeheartedly, it says, you know, to tell them, don't forget. Don't forget. And he's steady has to tell them, don't forget what we've already been through. Mm -hmm. But 
but yet he knows he's not going in, but yet he's he's determined to help him, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, well, so number one, um, I think that's why he's still called righteous, like to this day, righteous Moses, because even after he was told, bro, you're not going in there. He's still leading the people along. That's a righteous man. Them, showing them what they should be doing, correcting them when they're wrong. But here's the caveat. I believe that Moses knew that in a future time he would be resurrected and live in New Jerusalem. He truly I had a love for his father, though. That shows his true love that yeah. he, his father said. Because he could have said right there, okay, well, I'm just going to walk away. But he's like, no, I'm going to still serve you. I agree. Well, remember when Moses said, um, blot out his name, but not the children's name? Mm-hmm. That right there really shows. You know, he's really to say, destroy me at the end, but don't destroy them. How many people can can actually, I seen a post the other day, and it quickened my heart so, so much, you know, about the people that made a movie. But yeah, what the movies they didn't talk about what the movie was talking about. And, it, you know, in some of the way it said, you know, if a person said that they would save all the children, would you bow down to that person? And immediately in my mind, I thought, yes. Yes, Father. If, if me dying and never walking into the streets, into that city, you've blessed me enough in this life that I can say that I'm truly blessed. And if what I've received so far is all that I get and all these children from after here is saved, do it. Uh-huh. I would agree. We, uh, I, I have to stop looking at self, self, self all the time. Because when I read these prophets, they was willing to give up just for the children of Israel. And then most of the time, what they got in return is they were trying yes. to be killed. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And it's no different than, I mean, it's somewhat different, but it's not terribly different from what goes on today. Because you try to tell people the truth, and they're like, they don't want, they don't want a part of what you're trying. That's what he talks about Isaiah. I don't know the exact passage, but it's like, um, don't tell us the truth. Tell us, you know, things we want to hear. Enchantments. Tell us things we want. You know, basically tickle. Each and every. Exactly. Exactly. You're absolutely right. That's the thing, though. <laughs> nothing no. has changed. It was like nothing. Nothing it's has like changed. Idea. It's time. It was there. People try to. People try. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that what Yeshua did was not something new or fresh in the sense that he laid down his life literally, willingly laid down his life. I'm not saying that that's not new. But everything that he did is nothing new. It's the same concept over and over and over and over and over and over and over all the way throughout the book. And then all of a sudden, 
you get this group of people that are like, yeah, we're going to start teaching that he did something completely different and did away with everything before him. No. If Messiah, if Messiah was standing in front of them when they decided to do that, I guarantee you he'd have taken that quarter whips that he made and beat every one of them. Oh, boy, did he beat them. <laughs> I, I joined that day. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He'd be like, don't you tell people. I literally, before I started my my whole entire, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Before I started ministering, you know, or started my ministry. Yeah, just... I said, do not think that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. And now you're teaching everybody this. Yep. Like you, you, you published that paper. I'm going to beat you. <laughs> you just made me think of Moses. Moses is like that. He talks about going to raise up a prophet like amongst the brothers, like Moses. That's Yeshua. And literally, Moses, That's he was literally ready to lay down his life for all the people. Yeah. And then he did it right there before he came back down with the wrath, just like Yeshua laid down his life. Now, when he comes back, he's bringing the wrath. Because he's, you know, they done went against the father. There's a wise man that once said, there's nothing new under the sun. Yep. I guess we have the Christ Moses disease because, yep. Oh, don't even start. Anyways. (laughs) Why didn't y'all answer my question the other day about the wheel? What about the whip? Oh, I don't think that he did. I mean, it doesn't say. It, I mean, it really doesn't. It doesn't say whether he, he beat people with the whip. But you, you would just assume if you spent that time making a quart of whips, you smacked somebody with it. <laughs> I heard, I heard what it said. Said that um, the question was. Did or did he take the whip and strike the whip, you know, up in the air and cause the lash and cause the animals to go crazy in there and turn over all the tables and stuff? I've heard that too. Or that, yeah, they used it to like scatter the animals or whatever. But didn't it say that he threw people out by the neck? Mm-hmm. I ain't never read that. I'm just saying. Are you lying? <laughs> Hang on. Oh, if he's throwing by Nick, I wonder if he was like doing like the Undertaker on him. Chokehold. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Watch out, watch out, watch out. Sorry. I'll look up some definitions real quick. This is not what we're supposed to be doing right now. But... No, you ain't got too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> um, cast out. Uh, it's ekbalo, which means to eject, literally or figuratively. I mean, when you eject. <laughs> 
to cast, drive, expel, leave, pluck. Yeah, it's in the way. He cast all them that sold and brought in or bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. You know, you should have a pretty bad dude, though, to be able to do that. Just walk up there on everyone to start launching them. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he was throwing people out, or at least like you know, grabbing it's like their a, arm and it's like everything. Them out. He's like moving super fast. I can't yeah. touch him. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Numbers thirty-three, right? And it says, these were the stages of the Israelites' journey when they went out of the land of Egypt by their military divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses wrote down the starting points for stages of their journeys. These are the stages listed by their starting points. They departed from from Ramesses in the first month on the 15th day of the month. On the day after the Passover, the Israelites went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying every firstborn male the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had executed judgment against their gods. Mm. Interesting. That is interesting, huh? The Israelites departed from Ramesses and camped at Sukkoth. They departed from Sukkoth and encamped encamped at Etham which is on the edge of the wilderness. They departed from Etham and turned back to Pihaharatha. I don't know. Pihaharath? Pihiroth? Pihiroth. Pihiroth. Hang on a second. Yeah, P or Pihiroth, which is east of... I'm just going to read this. Sorry, guys. Which is east of Baal Safan. And they camped near Migdol, and they departed from the before Haharoth and passed over through the midst of the seas into the wilderness. Went three days' journey in the wilderness of Etham and camped at Marah. And they departed from Marah and camped or came to Elam. And at Elam were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there. And they departed from Elam and camped by the Sea of Reeds. And they departed from the Sea of Reeds and camped in the wilderness of Sin. And they departed from the wilderness of Sin and camped at Dof, Dafka. And they departed from Dafka and camped at Elush. And they departed from Elush and camped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. And they departed from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. And they departed from the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hatava. And they departed from Kibroth Hatava and camped at Hatzeroth. And they departed from Hatzeroth and camped at Rithma. And they departed from Rithma and camped at Ramon Peretz. And they departed from Ramon Peretz and camped at Libna. And they departed from Libna and camped at Risa. And they departed from Risa and camped at, oh Lord, K. 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 Hey, Lapa. 
Kahalasa. There we go. And they departed from Kahalasa and camped at Mount Schaefer. And they departed from Mount Schaefer and camped at Herida. And they departed from Herida and camped at Mashaloth. Mashaloth. And they departed from Mashaloth and camped <clears throat> at Teheth. And they departed from Teheth and camped at Tira. And they departed from Tara and camped at Miska. And they departed from Miska and camped at Hashmona. And they departed from Hashmona and camped at Moseroth. And they departed from Moseroth and camped at Bene Yachan. I don't, yeah, it works. And they departed from Bene Yachan and camped at Hor Hagadad. Hagadgad. Yeah. And they departed from Hor Hagadad and they camped at Yotbasa. <clears throat> and they departed from Yothadba. Yotbasa. Yotbasa. And camped at Obrana. And they departed from Obrana and camped at Etzion Gaber. And they departed from Etzion Gaber and camped in the wilderness of Sin, which is Kadesh. And they departed from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the boundary of the land of Edom. Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the mouth of Yahuwah and died there in the 40th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Mitzrayim on the first day of the fifth month. Now Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. And the sovereign of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south in the land of Canaan, heard of the coming of the children of Israel. So they departed from Mount Hor and camped at Solmona. Solmona. They departed from Solmona and camped at Punan. And they departed from Punan and camped at Obath. And they departed from Obath and camped at Ihabarim at the border of Moab. And they departed from Aim and camped at Dibon Gad. And they departed from Dibon Gad and camped at Elman. Did let good Lord. Almon Diblath Ayama, and they departed from Almon Diblath Ayama and camped in the mountains of Abarim before Nebo. And they departed from the mountains of Abarim and camped in the desert plains of Moab by the Yarden of Jericho, Yer or the Jericho. And they camped by the Yarden <coughs> from Beth Yeshemoth as far as Abel Shittim in the desert plains of Moab. Yahweh spoke to Moshe in the desert plains of Moab by the Yarden of Yeroho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have passed over the Yarden into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, and shall destroy all their engraved stones, you shall destroy all their molded plate images, and lay waste at or all their high places, and you shall possess the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. And you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your clans. To the larger, you give a larger inheritance. And to the smaller, you give a smaller inheritance. Wherever the lot falls to anyone, that is his. You inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. And if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides. And they shall be troubled, or they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. And it shall be that I do to you as I thought to do to them. Hmm. 
I think you did a pretty good job. <laughs> and every time you say Nebo, I think of Devo, just so you know. I guess, man. Devo out there riding on a bike. That one was it's pretty brutal. Explanatory. I think just talking about, like I said, that's what Messe, that's what that's what the word means is journeys, journey or journeys. I was just talking about their journeys. That's a list of everything they had done up to this point. And then an admonishing that if you do not destroy, you know, drive out everybody from the land that you're going in to possess. You're going to have some problems. Kind of like the dome. Kind of like what? The golden dome. Mm. And possesses it right now. Mm. Interesting. Different topic. <laughs> <laughs> It makes you think they're dominant. That is interesting. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going down it. <laughs> I'm not. This one this is a long portion. And we're like 10% done. <laughs> 10% done. But yeah. I'm about to travels, man. I'm about to travels. Where are we going to now? We're going to read 34, but one one thing that really stuck out to me, like I said in the beginning, um, the Lord had executed judgment against their gods. That's contrary to what anybody teaches. I had never paid attention to that. What, the ten plagues? Yeah, the plagues against uh, Mitzrayim. Egypt. Mm-hmm. I'd never caught that. Yahweh stricken among them. Also, on their mighty ones, Yahweh had executed judgments, which could just be like Pharaoh. Because technically he would be a mighty one. I mean, the he, he, pharaohs, he was considered uh, the, might, the, the, the one that could do all of it. That's the reason yeah. why he's mentioned the way he is. Yeah, I mean, it's Pharaoh. Most of the pharaohs called themselves gods, you know, which or one god, same thing. Or, which I'm not going to go down that track tonight, but, you know, a lot of these gods that they're, you know, using these Marvel movies and different things today, a lot of them link back to the ancient gods of Egypt. Just saying. Number chapter 34. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying. <laughs> this is TS 2009 now. <clears throat> uh, Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, command the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land of Canaan, this is the land which falls to you as an inheritance, the land of Canaan to its, board, or to its boundaries. 
Then your southern border shall be from the wilderness of Sin along the border of Edom, and your southern border shall be eastward from the end of the Salt Sea. Then your border shall turn from the southern side of the ascent of Akrabim, or Akrabim, continue to sin and be on the south of Kadesh Barnea, and it shall go on to Hatsar Adar, and continue to Atzmon. And the border shall turn from Atzmon to the wadi of Mitzrayim, and it shall end at the sea. And as for the western border, you shall have the great sea for a border. This is your western border. Fair enough. And this is the northern border. From the great sea, you mark out your boundary line to Mount Hor. From Mount Hor, you mark out your border to the entrance of Hamoth. And at the edge of the border shall be toward Sedad. And the border shall proceed to Ziphron. And it shall end at Hatsar Enan. This is your northern border, and you shall mark out your eastern border from Hetzar Anan to Shepham, and the border shall go down from Shepham to Ribla on the east side of Ain, Ain, and the border shall go down to, or go down and reach the eastern side of the Sea of Kinnereth, and the border shall go down along the Yarden, and it shall end at the Salt Sea. This is your land with its surrounding boundaries. And Moshe commanded the children of Israel, saying, This is the land which you inherit by lot, which Yahweh has commanded to give to the nine tribes and to the half-tribe. For the tribe of the children of Reuben, according to the house of their fathers, and the tribe of the children of Gad, according to the house of their fathers, have received their inheritance. And the half-tribe of Manasseh has received its inheritance. The two tribes and the half-tribe have received their inheritance beyond the Yarden of Jericho eastward toward the sunrise. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, These are the names of the men who divide the land among you as an inheritance. Eleazar the priest and Yehoshua son of Nun, or Nun. And take one leader of every tribe to divide the land for the inheritance. And these are the names of the men from the tribe of Yehuda, Caleb son of Yehuneh, and from the tribe of the children of Shimon, Shemuel son of Amihud, and from the tribe of Benjamin, Elidad, son of Kislon, and a leader from the tribe of the children of Dan, Buki, or Bukai, probably Bukai, son of Yoglai, from the sons of Yosef, a leader from the tribe of the children of Manasseh, Haniel, son of Ephod, and a leader from the tribe of the children of Ephraim, Kimuel, son of Shiftan, and a leader from the tribe of the children of Zebulun, Elis El. Elitzaphan, son of Parnak, and a leader from the tribe of the children of Yisachar, Peltiel, son of Azan, and a leader from the tribe of the children of Asher, Ahihud, Ahihud, son of Shalomai, and a leader from the tribe of the children of Naphtali, Pedahel, Pedahel, son of Amihud. These are the ones Yahweh commanded to divide the inheritance among the children of Israel in the land of Canaan. Everybody know you gate. Do what? Oh, joke. 
I'm just asking everybody know they know which gate they're going in now. Oh, I got you. I didn't I didn't catch what you were saying. That's fine. I'm gonna grab me a map and an ancient map. I'm gonna redraw these boundaries and see what it looks like. Just out of curiosity. Uh-uh. It's going to all, all too depend on which map tells you where Sinai is too. That's going to get into a whole other topic too, man. Yes. <laughs> not today, not today, not today. <laughs> Going slower through the tour, or, uh, yeah. I'm you can go ahead, I'll be quiet. No, you're fine. I'm just fine. Uh, I am looking to doing the slow step by step walk because there's a lot, there is a lot, but Lord willing, we'll get through all of it. Every single piece, every little dot, every little word. Now we're going to Numbers 35. <clears throat> oh, we're going to talk about the cities. All right. <clears throat> the Lord again, I'm going to go back to HCSP. The Lord again spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Command the Israelites to give cities out of their hereditary property for the Levites to live in and pasture land around the cities. Makes me think of Deuteronomy 12. The cities will be for them to live in, and their pasture lands will be for their herds, flocks, and all their other animals. The pasture lands of the cities you are to give the Levites will extend from the city wall 500 yards on every side. Measure 1,000 yards outside the city for the east side. 1,000 yards for the south side, 1,000 yards for the west side, and 1,000 yards for the north side, with the city in the center. This will belong to them as pasture lands for the cities. The cities you give the Levites will include six cities of refuge, which you must provide so that the one who kills somebody may flee there. In addition to these, give 42 other cities. The total number of cities you give the Levites will be 48 along with their pasture lands. Of the cities that you give from the Israelites' territory, you must take more from a larger tribe and less from a smaller one. Each tribe is to give some of its cities to the Levites in proportion to the inheritance it receives. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, <clears throat> When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, designate cities to serve as cities of refuge for you so that a person who kills someone unintentionally may flee there. You will have the cities as a refuge from the avenger, so that the one who kills somebody will not die until he stands trial before your, or before the assembly. The cities you select will be your six cities of refuge. Select three cities across the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These, city, or these six cities will serve as a refuge for the Israelites, 
and for the foreigner or temporary resident among them so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. If anyone strikes a person with an iron object and death results, he is a murderer. The murderer must be put to death. If a man has in his, if a man has in his hand a stone capable of causing death and strikes another person and he dies, the murderer must be put to death. If a man has in his hand a wooden object capable of causing death and strikes another person and he dies, the murderer must be put to death. The avenger of blood himself is to kill the murderer. When he finds him, he is to kill him. Likewise, if anyone in hatred pushes a person or throws an object at him with malicious intent and he dies, or if in hostility <clears throat> he strikes him with his hand and he dies, the one who struck him must be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood is to kill the murderer. But if anyone suddenly pushes a person without hostility or throws an object at him without malicious intent or without looking, drops a stone that could kill a person and he dies, but he was not his enemy and wasn't trying to harm him, the assembly is to judge between the slayer and the avenger of blood according to these ordinances. The assembly is to protect the one who kills someone from the hand of the avenger of blood. Then the assembly will return him to the city of refuge he fled to, and he must live there until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. If the one who kills someone ever goes outside the border of the city of refuge he fled to, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the border of his city of refuge and kills him, the avenger will not be guilty of bloodshed. For the one who killed a person was supposed to live in the, his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Only after the death of a high priest may the one who has killed a person return to the land he possesses. These instructions will be a statute, statutory ordinance for you throughout your generations, wherever you live. If anyone kills a person, the murderer is to be put to death based on the word of witnesses. There are one or two witnesses. But no one is to be put to death based on the testimony of one witness. Or yeah, two, two or more witnesses, sorry. Uh, you are not to accept a ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of killing someone. He must be put to death. Neither should you accept a ransom for the person who flees to his city of refuge, allowing him to return and live in the land before the death of the high priest. Do not defile the land where you are, for bloodshed defiles the land, and there can be no atonement for the land because of the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of the person who shed it. Do not make the land unclean where you live, and I will reside, and where I will reside. Hmm. For I, Yahweh, reside among the Israelites. Cities of Refuge. Anybody got any comments? Get out right now. I missed almost a bit of that. Oh, great. <laughs> Well, here, I'll just go ahead and finish because there's only 13 verses left. <clears throat> uh, and then we're going to read Ezra's. The family leaders from the clan of the descendants, excuse me, of Gilead, the son of Machir, son of Manasseh, who were from, who were from the clans of the sons of Joseph, approached and addressed Moses and the leaders who were over the Israelite families. They said, Yahweh commanded my Lord to give the land as an inheritance by lot to the Israelites. My Lord was further commanded by Yahweh to give our brothers Zelophet and Zelophehad 
his inheritance to his daughters, if they marry any of the men from the other tribes or Israelite tribes, for their inheritance will be taken away from our father's inheritance and added to that of the tribe into which they marry. Therefore, part of our allotted inheritance would be taken away. When the Jubilee comes for the Israelites, their inheritance will be added to that of the tribe into which they marry, and their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of our ancestral tribe. So Moses commanded, or commanded the Israelites at the word of the Lord, what the tribe of Joseph's descendants say is right. This is what the Lord has commanded concerning Zelophehad's daughters. When they marry anyone they like, provided they marry within a clan of their ancestral tribe. An inheritance belonging to the Israelites must not transfer from tribe to tribe, because each of the Israelites is to retain the inheritance of his ancestral tribe. Any daughter who possesses an inheritance from an Israelite tribe must marry someone from the clan of her ancestral tribe, so that each of the Israelites will possess the inheritance of his fathers. No inheritance is to transfer from one tribe to another, because each of the Israelite tribes is to retain its inheritance. The daughters of Zelophehad did as the Lord commanded Moses. Mala, Tirzah, Hogla, Milka, and Noah, the, the daughters of Zelophehad, married cousins on their father's side. They married men from the clans of the descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained within the tribe of their father's clan. These are the commands and ordinances the Lord commanded the Israelites through Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from the Jericho. That's the end of Numbers. <clears throat> That's the way I got my land wheel. But it can't be given to nobody that's married into the family. It can only be transferred over to somebody that is born in the family. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> Anybody got any further questions about anything we just read? Michael, me and your mama was, and you was talking about the refuge cities the other day, remember? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yup. There's more grace to them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because they take that one passage that says, you know, grace come through Messiah. <clears throat> and they think that there had never been any grace at all ever before. <laughs> and when they say grace comes through Messiah, they say you're exactly right. Messiah is the Torah, and grace comes through the Word of God, the Torah, too. Amen. That's a good they point. Both, <laughs> they both of them, don't it? The Word and mm -hmm. the Testament.
Awkward silence. Doubt, not everybody. Oh, oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on? What's going on? What? What? The alien is here. Don't make it weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start talking about it. I'm going to start talking about it. Yep, I knew that would get one to mute. <laughs> so when I'm not on mute, is it still doing that echo thing? Let me talk. Let me talk. Yeah, still. Yeah, still. Still. It's only when, right. only when you're unmuted. I'll I'll mute it back. <laughs> You can unmute it to talk, and then when you get finished talking, hit mute, and then come back. Yeah. Or do the uh, Zoom has a function where you can press to hold to speak. Just use that. You just hold the button down while you're speaking, and as soon as you let go. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with the weird echo. All right. We're going to read 2nd Ezra 13, 25 to 28, which says this. These are the interpretations of of the vision. Whereas you saw a man coming up from the midst of the sea. This is he whom the Most High has kept a great season, which by his own self will deliver his creature. And he will order those who were left behind. And whereas you saw, then out of his mouth came wind and fire and storm. And whereas he held neither spear nor any instrument of war, but destroyed the assault of the multitude which came to fight against him. This is the interpretation. They muted itself. <laughs> Second asterisk 13. <clears throat> Anyways, we're going to go on to Isaiah now. Can we read that one more time? <laughs> I know it was going to get Michael's ears. Go ahead and read that one more time. <clears throat> these are the inter- which you have to go read the vision these are the interpretations of the vision whereas you saw a man coming up from the midst of the sea this is he whom the most high has kept a great season which by his own self will deliver his creature and he will order those who were left behind and whereas you saw that out of his mouth there came wind and fire and storm, and whereas he held neither spear nor any instrument of war, but destroyed the assault of that multitude which came to fight against him. This is the interpretation. Mm. It goes on, says, Behold, the days will come when the Most High will begin to deliver those who are upon the earth. Mm. Isaiah chapter 4. Bye-bye. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's the fun stuff right there. 
I was just talking about Leviathan the other day. Earthshaker. Tremors. Anyways. We won't go down there. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of Israel's survivors. Whoever remains in Zion and whoever is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. All in Jerusalem who are destined to live, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood guilt from the heart of Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning, the Lord will create a cloud of smoke by day and a glowing flame of fire by night over the entire site of Mount Zion and over its assemblies. For there will be a canopy over all the glory, and there will be a booth for shade from heat by day and a refuge and shelter from storm and rain. Are we going to talk about the feet and the Leviathan to these people too? Is that up in the portion? No, I don't think so. Where the angel slays the Leviathan, feeds the survivors. Anyways, carry on. Go to Jeremiah 2. This one, this is part of the, I don't understand why I skipped skip this around. I would have just added all of it, like Jeremiah 2 or 4, whatever. Anyways. It's listed as Jeremiah 2, 4 through 28. Um, I'll just read 1 through 28. <clears throat> it says, The word of the Lord came to me. Go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. I remember the loyalty of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it found themselves guilty. Disaster came on them. This is the Lord's declaration. Hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me? And they went so far from me, followed worthless idols, and became worthless themselves. They stopped asking, where is the Lord? Who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, through a land of drought and darkness, a land no one traveled through and where no one lived? I brought you to a fertile land to eat its fruit and bounty, but after you entered, you defiled my land. You made my inheritance detestable. The priests quit asking, where is the Lord? The experts in the law no longer knew me, and the rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. Therefore, I will bring a case against you again. This is the Lord's declaration. I will bring a case against your children's children. Cross over to Cyprus and take a look. Send someone to Kedar and consider carefully. See if there has, or yeah, has ever been anyone like this. Has a nation ever exchanged its gods? But they were not gods. Yet my people have exchanged their glory for useless idols. Be horrified at this, heavens. Be shocked and utterly appalled. This is the Lord's declaration. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. 
Is Israel a slave? Was he born into slavery? Why else? Yeah. Why else has he become a prey? The young lions have roared at him. They have roared loudly. They have laid waste his land. His cities are in ruins without inhabitants. The men of Memphis and Tapanhas, Tapanhas, I guess, have also broken your skull. Have you not brought this on yourself by abandoning the Lord your God while he was leading you along the way? Now what will you gain by traveling along the way to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? What will you gain by traveling along the way to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? Your own evil will discipline you. Your own apostasies will reprimand you. Think it over and see how evil and bitter it is for you to abandon the Lord your God and to have no fear of me. This is the Lord, or this is the declaration of the Lord of Lord God of hosts. For long ago, I broke your yoke. I tore off your chains. You insisted I will not serve. On every high hill and under every green tree, you lie down like a prostitute. I planted you, a choice vine from the very best seed. How then could you turn into a degenerate foreign vine? Even if you wash with lye and use a great amount of soap, the stain of your sin is still in front of me. This is the Lord, Lord's, Lord God's declaration. How can you protest? I am not defiled. I have not followed the Baals. Look at your behavior in the valley. Acknowledge what you have done. You are a swift young camel, twisting and turning on her way home, or on her way, a wild donkey at home in the wilderness. She sniffs the wind in the heat of her desire. Who can control her passion? All who look for her will not become tired. They will find her in, in her mating season. Keep your feet from going bare and your throat from thirst. But you say, it's hopeless. I love strangers, and I will continue to follow them. Like the shame of a thief when he is caught, so the house of Israel has been put to shame. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets say to a tree, you are my father, and to a stone, you gave birth to me. For they have turned their back to me and not their face. Yet in their time of disaster, they beg, rise up and save us. But where are your gods you made for yourself? Let them rise up and save you in your time of disaster, if they can, for your gods are as numerous as your cities, Judah. There's a lot in there, too. It sure is. <laughs> There's a lot in there. You think when it's there where it says double portion, it made me think of um, was it Isaiah that had lay on his side double? Uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel double for Israel. Yeah. And it just said that he would double their punishment. Mm You have abandoned me the fountain of living water. That's because them kings had, was bringing in all their women and setting temples upon upon them hills and stuff around there. It says, you know, you you go up in the high places. It's talking about them temples that Solomon and all of them built for their wives. Mm-hmm. 
And it is that word declaration. That's a little different than the rest of the, the Torah and stuff, ain't it? That's that's just how the HCSB puts it. Okay. Like instead of uh, thus says the Lord and thus saith the Lord, HCSB just says this is the Lord's declaration. I see now. Yeah, it is a little different, but. We'll read, we got Jeremiah 3 4. We'll read that real quick, and then Jeremiah 4 1 2 3. <laughs> 3 4 says, Have you not lately called to me, my father? You were my friend and my youth. Jeremiah 4, 1 through 2 says, if you return, Israel, this is the Lord's declaration. You will return to me if you remove your detestable idols from my presence and do not waver. Then you can swear as the Lord lives in truth and justice and in righteousness. Then the nations will be blessed by him and will pride themselves in him. That's powerful there too, buddy. I like Jeremiah. The prophets are great. Mm -hmm. That's powerful there. That's kind of like what's going on over here. You, know, you remember when I put on that one day this, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, if my people who are called by my name, you know, that kind of goes along with what you just said. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll go to First Chronicles now. My least favorite book. Why? I don't know. Chronicles just bore me, man. You're toxic. I'm not being toxic. I'm just telling the truth. No, you're toxic. <laughs> now, we just read about discouraging. Yeah. That's directed at you, sir. Yeah, Dustin. Yeah. At you, Micah. <laughs> this is my least favorite book. Why are you discouraging people? <laughs> it is. All these It's just a lot of like dates and stuff. I tried listening to Chronicles on Audible and I was like, wow. It's, this is fun. Anyways. I will say that's one book you just don't see it. 
and listen to it play? No. No, you're going to have to get the wording far along and stop and understand. Yeah, because I was sitting one day trying to listen to it. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do this. That's all right. I just want you to remember that you said that this is boring. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to read all the way through 19. Oh, boy. Then David praised the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, may you be praised, Lord God, of our father, or, or, yeah, of our father Israel, from eternity to eternity. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you and you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God give. We give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. For we live before you as foreigners and temporary residents in your presence, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope, Yahweh our God. All this wealth that we've provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and that you are pleased with what is right. I have willingly given all these things with an upright heart. And now I have seen your people who are, or who are present here giving joyfully and willingly to you. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people and confirm their hearts towards you. Give my son Solomon a whole heart to keep and, and to carry out all your commands, your decrees, and your statutes, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Well, that wasn't boring. All right, then. Boy, <laughs> you got to did that narrator now. He did a good job. <laughs> that, one, that part wasn't boring. So that's why I said, remember what you said. Remember what you said. That was actually nice. I liked it. I wonder if it's different. I'm like, it's something like What the Septuagint? Yeah, I want to say the part where it says at the end the summary of David's life. What we doing, y'all? I'm debating. <laughs> Let's go to Joshua. Micah's looking up something. I'm going to read all of Joshua, chapter 9. You're going to skip Samuel? 
We're going to come back to Samuel. Okay. Both of those are, are pretty good. Okay, give we me one. Get, get to Joshua. I'm ready. Do, 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 do. When all the kings heard about Jericho and Ai, those who were west of the Jordan in the hill country in the Judean foothills and all along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they formed a unified alliance to fight against Joshua and Israel. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they acted deceptively. They gathered provisions and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They were, they were old, or they wore old, patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothing on their bodies. Their entire provision of bread was dry and crumbly. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land. Please make a treaty with us. The men of Israel replied to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us. How can we make a treaty with you? They said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua asked them, Who are you and where do you come from? They replied to him, Your servants have come from a faraway land because of the reputation of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his, of his fame and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two Amorite kings beyond the Jordan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our land told us, Take provisions with you for the journey. Go and meet them and say, We are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we took it from our houses as food on the day we left to come to you. But take a look, it is now dry and crumbly. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but look, they are cracked. And these clothes and sandals of ours are worn out from the extremely long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but did not seek the Lord's counsel. So Joshua established peace with them and made a treaty to let them live. And the leaders of the community swore an oath to them. Three days after making the treaty with them, they heard that the Gibeonites were their neighbors, living among them. So the Israelites set out and reached the Gibeonites, or the Gibeonite cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Sephirah, or Chephirah, Beeroth, and Kiriath, Jerum. But the Israelites did not attack them, because the leaders of the community had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then the whole community grumbled against the leaders. All the leaders answered them, We have sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This is how we will treat them. We will let them live, so that no wrath will fall on us because of the oath we swore to them. They also said, Let them live. So the Gibeonites became woodcutters and water carriers for the whole community, as the leaders had promised them. Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said to them, 
Why did you deceive us by telling us you live far away from us, when in fact you live among us? Therefore you are cursed and will always be slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. The Gibeonites answered him, It was clearly communicated to your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. We greatly feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. Now we are in your hands. Do to us whatever you think is right. This is what Joshua did to them. He delivered them from the hands of the Israelites, and they did not kill them. On the day he made them woodcutters and water car- or on that day he made them woodcutters and water carriers, as they are today, for the community and for the Lord's altar at the place he would choose. You should read that out of the Septuagint now. No. Genesis 15, 18 through 21. Talks about building an altar. This doesn't make uh, sense. Yeah, that's why I'm not doing it. That's, that's another time. Genesis 15, 18 through 21. It says this. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, I hadn't heard that one, Hittites, Perizzites, the Rephaim, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. The Ikes clan. All of the Ikes. Every one of them. We got the uh, Deandriites. We got the <laughs> we got the McMillanites. We got the Placites. We got the Hallites. All of the Ikes. I say, where do you see my Midnight's? <laughs> oh Lord. All right, we're gonna read Proverbs and we'll go back to Samuel. We'll finish out the Old Testament portion of this. <clears throat> uh, Proverbs 29, 1 through 10 says, One who becomes stiff necked after many reprimands will be shattered instantly beyond recovery. When the righteous flourish, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, people groan. A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but one who consorts with prostitutes destroys his wealth. By justice, a king brings stability to a land, but a man who demands contributions demolishes it. A man who flatters his neighbors spreads a net for his feet. An evil man is caught by sin, but the, rejo- er, but the righteous one sings and rejoices. The righteous person knows the rights of the poor, but the wicked one does not understand these concerns. Mockers inflame a city, but the wise turn away anger. If a wise man goes to court with a fool, there will be ranting and raving, but no resolution. Bloodthirsty men hate an honest person, but the upright care about him. Now we're going to read first thing. Which is first Samuel 1. The birth of Samuel. 
I'll read about Shemuel. <clears throat> there was a man from Ramat from Ramathaim, Zophim, in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah and the second Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to each of her sons and daughters, but he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her, because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Whenever she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way every year. Hannah wept and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah asked. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and do not or yeah, and not forget me, and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. While he while she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her lips. Hannah was praying silently. And though her lips were not moving, her voice could not be heard, Eli thought she was drunk and scolded her. How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depths of my anguish and re resentment. Eli responded, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the petition you've requested from him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to bow and worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with her, or with his wife, Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, or Shemuel, because she said, I requested him from the Lord. Then Elkanah and all his household went. I can flip this page. <laughs> went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord. Anna did not go and explain to her husband. After the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband Elkanah replied, Do what you think is best, and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. Then she had weaned him, or when she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as three, a three-year-old bull, half a bushel of flour, and a jar of wine. 
Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as sure as you live, my Lord. I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I had or what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. As for as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he bowed in worship to the Lord there. She made a vow and she kept her vow. Dedicated to the temple service. Dedicated them to the temple service. I'm still over in Joshua 9. I guess. Anyways, 2 Samuel 2. <laughs> I'm messed up right now, man. I got like three Bibles open right now. But you notice how with most of the prophets, their mother's womb was barren and their wombs was opened up for them to conceive the prophet. But with Yeshua, it was like it was different, you know? Yeah. I like Samuel too. I liked all the prophets, but I got my favorites. Samuel's definitely on that list. Yeah, I like first and second Samuel a lot. Yeah. I love Samuel. He <laughs> said. He said, no, bro, you guys don't need a king. You have God. <laughs> they still wanted a king. They still wanted a king. All right, we're going to read 2 Samuel 2, 1 through 14. It says, <clears throat> some time later, David inquired of the Lord, should I go in or should I go to one of the towns of Judah? The Lord answered him, go. Then David asked, where should I go? The Hebron, the Lord said. So David went there with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. In addition, David brought the men who were with him each one with his household, and they settled in the towns near Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there was, er, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. They told David, it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, The Lord bless you, because you have shown this kindness to Saul your Lord when you buried him. Now may the Lord show kindness and faithfulness to you, and I will also show the same goodness to you, because you have done this deed. Therefore, be strong and courageous, for though Saul, your Lord, is dead, the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Abner, son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Saul's son, Ishbosheth, and moved him to Mahanaim. He made him king over Gilead, 
Asher, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, over all Israel. Saul's son, Ishbosheth, was 40 years old when he began his reign over Israel. He ruled for two years. The house of Judah, however, followed David. The length of time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Abner, son of Ner, and soldiers of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, marched out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. So Joab, son of Zeruiah, or Zeruiah, Zeruiah, there we go, and David's soldiers marched out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. The two groups took up positions on opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, let's have the young men get up and complete or compete in front of us. Let them go up or let them get up, Joab replied. All that needs to be read, but <laughs> we're going to go to Luke. Yeah, that's the first. That's the first time Israel was divided. The two portions, the two kings. Then yep. David united them. And then after David, they split back up. Saul was Saul. Who was it? Wasn't it Saul? No. Saul. Saul was king first, and then David. David, and then after David, it's Solomon. Solomon, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And there was a split again. David united Israel. Would you say that's the two sticks? Anyways, Luke chapter 13. <laughs> He's done, son. I've heard arguments for both sides. I mean, that can be a topic we talk about in the future. Right? Write all your ideas down. I'm game for whatever. <laughs> I'm still in Joshua now. I do not have an opinion. Yeah, well, we're just going to keep reading without you, sir. <laughs> Luke left. chapter 13. We'll come back to you, Michael. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll be back there. Eventually. I don't want to go back there. I just, my brain can't handle it tonight. I don't have the brain capacity for that. You're the one that made your decision. Luke chapter 13, 1 through 9. <laughs> At that time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, and he responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those 18 that the tower in Siloam fell on and killed do you think they were more sinful than all the people who live in jerusalem 
No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste the soil? But he replied to him, sir, leave it this year also till I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year. But if not, you can cut it down. We know what fig tree Yeshua cursed. Mm. We know how long he was in his ministry when he cursed it. Still would have been awesome just to follow him around and listen to these things. Um, <clears throat> and the people that heard these prophets, Papa, when Yeshua done the things that he done, it, they should have knew right then what he was doing. When they heard this prophet and knew Yeshua was in his last ministry of of his if his ministry is three years, and he went to that fig tree and he cursed it. They should have connected the dots. All of it. Every bit of it. They should have connected all of it. Luke chapter 2 speaks of Simeon. He knew. He knew that Yeshua was the Messiah. And he blessed him and said to the Lord, now you can let your servant go in peace because I have seen your salvation. I have seen your promised Savior. Daniel prophesied to the to to the year. I don't know that it was to the day. It was to the year that Messiah would be born. Do y'all believe the wise men were pagans or Jewish men, like or believers? I believe they was they came in through Daniel Papa. I I believe Daniel taught them in Babylon. Daniel started his own ministry over there grafting them in. Hmm. David served, or uh, David, Daniel served under five pagan kings, yeah. And he was highly exalted with all of them. He had lots of mysteries to share with them. He was just obedient. Mm -hmm. He followed the Lord's commands. And he was blessed because of it, even in even while living in Babylon. I mean, yep. Which goes back to it doesn't matter where you live, America. You could live in some island way off in the middle of nowhere. Doesn't matter if you obey the Lord's commands, you will be blessed. Period. Yep. Just want to say, Joshua. Betsy Scrolls, there's not much on it. Anyways, back to the fig tree. <laughs> Interesting. Mark 11, verse 12. It says, Then the next day, look about that fig tree. When the next day, when they came out from Bethany, he was hungry. 
After seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Think about that too. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Gosh. They came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple complex and began to throw those or to throw out those buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the money changers, the tables and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods throughout the temple complex. When he began to teach them, it is not or is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. When the chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to destroy him, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. And whenever evening came, they would go out of the city. Early in the morning, in the mor or yeah, early in the morning, as they were passing by, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree that you cursed is withered. Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. I'll read the rest of that. Therefore, I tell you, all the things you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. Hmm. It's hard sometimes, right? It can be. The forgiving part? Yes. Yeah. I, I think with time, no. No, not with you time. Let, right you then. let a day go by. You get, I mean, even sometimes a few hours, let it go by. Forgiveness yeah. is easy, but right then and there, yeah. Right then and there is the hardest part. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. you're hot. You're like, mm. That's the hardest part. Yeah, as time goes on, you're just like, all right, I was a jerk, or they were a jerk. Somebody was a jerk. Second Thessalonians 2, 5 through 12. Don't you remember that when I was still with you, I told you about this, and you know what currently restrains him, so that he will be revealed in his time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, but the one now restraining will do so until he is out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. The Lord Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and will bring him to nothing with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders, and with every right, unrighteous deception among those who are perishing. They perished because they do not or did not accept the love of the truth in order to be saved. 
For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe what is false, so that all will be condemned, those who did not believe the truth but enjoyed unrighteousness. Mm. Which verse did you just read, Dillister? Second Thessalonians 5-12. through 12. I think I heard that one, church. <laughs> More <laughs> than the rest of it. <laughs> it says, but we must always thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Therefore, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, either by our message or by our letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. And every good work and word. Hmm. What was that first part? You read that first part again. Like, what was that you read? Just now? Are you talking about the first time? Yeah. Well, Thessalonians 5 through 12? No, no. Hold on. I'll just go back and find it. Sound we like must hope. always thank God for you, brothers. Brothers loved by the Lord. Because from the beginning, God has chosen. Did that sound? I wonder if that sounds like the Church of Brotherly Love. Who was this little wreck to? Thessalonians. Seriously? That was Second Thessalonians. Yeah. Okay. So first. You see, Nicole? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, Your shoes are about halfway dry. Don't think it works really well. Nice. Yeah, Hebrews and Revelation. But don't that Hebrews. sound like the church of brotherly love we all? Y'all ever heard anybody teach brotherly love? The church of brotherly love? Mm -hmm. I can't say that I have. I, I mean, going through, so there's chapters and divisions and stuff that we have now, but this was all just supposed to be a letter to the Thessalonians. Um, I assume second letter because it's second Thessalonians, but so there's no separation like there is now. And he would have went through and said, so that all, all that will uh, be condemned and those who do not believe the truth but enjoy unrighteousness, but we must also thank God for you. Brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So it's just a flowing. And then... Well, Finally, was, brothers, pray for us. What? What verse was that that you just read? 
Oh, I was just going to 12, 13. <laughs> I was just showing how it flows. Like there's chapter divisions and verse divisions. You know, you even have subheadings for little portions of verses. Like it says, stand firm, pray for us, warning against irresponsible behavior. None of that was in the original text. It was just a, a letter. Right. You know, so I just it flowed all the way through. So check out that wording though it says. But we must always thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by spirit and through belief and in the truth. Mm-hmm. A lot of people try to A lot separate. Of people try to separate. They leave out that sanctification part. Salvation through sanctification. Mm-hmm. You'll see have salvation then sanctified, but it was through your sanctification. That would play a role in works. That would play a role too, Malcolm, in uh, day three and day seven. That's where you have to go back and do that study to understand that better. Yeah. But I see what you're talking about, Michael. Mm-hmm. People forget that works part. They think that's just salvation. But there's a sanctification, which through salvation comes through that sanctification process. You can't just say, I believe and I'm good to go. You got to have a walk. You got to keep that garment he just put on you. You got to keep it without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Uh I'm still trying to get some wrinkles out. I think my iron's broken. You can borrow mine, brother. Killing on the dad jokes again. Biblical yeah. dad. Biblical dad. <laughs> All right, we're going to read Hebrews 11. Verses 8 through 16, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he, he was looking for word or forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age since she conceived, or since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, 
from one as good as dead came offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith without having received the promise or promises, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear and they are seeking a homeland or that they are seeking a, a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, glory it will be when that city comes back. The old faith chapter. Yeah. By faith, by faith, by faith. <laughs> but they missed the very first one by faith through obedience. Yeah. We're going to end with Revelation 6, 9 through 11. And it says, <clears throat> When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the people slaughtered because of God's word and the testimony they had. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge and avenge our blood from those who live on the earth? So a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow slaves and their brothers who were going to be killed just as they had been. That... The end of the tour version.